0: Welcome to the SAS Podcast, where we discuss all things science and spirituality and how it pertains to the subconscious mind. And of course, we add in a little bit of SAS. I'm Katie Kowaleski. I will be your host during this podcast, and I will be featuring stories about my own life, including the tools that I use to overcome my own adversity, as well as featuring some amazing stories from some interesting guests. Stay tuned, and welcome to Sass. SAS. Okay, today's podcast mini-sode is about nine tips for how how to choose uh, a life coach or therapist. Uh, Part of this is going to be based on my own experience um, and from working with other people. So here are some things that I think might be helpful. One, if you are seeking um, trauma-based therapy um, and it's coming from having experience with abuse or assault or those types of things, it might be important to decide... Uh, If you want to work with someone who presents um, and dresses as a male or female, I know with gender pronouns make make it a little more complicated. I'm going to just say it how I would see it, which is if you have been um, assaulted or abused by a man and you're a woman, you might want to pick a female therapist if you're more comfortable with that. Um, And vice versa. That's just a kind of a little tidbit, a little aside. You want the person that you are seeking to not disrupt you or cause a trigger or trauma response just upon appearance. So that's one thing that you might want to be cognizant of. Um, Tip number two, if you are new to coaching and therapy and you ask yourself, have I ever had a full conversation with someone maybe perhaps an hour long where someone just held space for me and just listened to my thoughts and was able to just completely jump me where I was and not interrupt me and not try to make the conversation about, about them. If you've never experienced that, then seeking out traditional therapy might be really helpful for you as sort of a jump off point. In order to change behaviors, we need to bring awareness to them. And often we need to tell our own stories in order to do that. Um, so think about that. If you're new to this and you've never really had someone be able to just listen to you and hold space for you, picking a traditional talk therapist might be helpful, at least at first. So you can really step into what it feels like to have someone just listen, really listen to you and to have yourself speak. Um, again, awareness of our patterns comes from being able to tell those stories and think through those things. Tip number three, seek out people that offer perhaps like a 15-minute kind of get acquainted call or Zoom session, not a full session, but just a brief way to interact with them prior to setting up your first session. Um, a lot of coaches and therapists are doing this now, especially post-pandemic um, when they're using Zoom and things like that, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to kind of have that person-to-person interaction prior to booking a whole session. Um, I think that's important for a lot of people and they need that kind of point of contact before making that decision. So look for people that offer that. Don't be afraid if you don't see it readily available on their website um, to ask them if they do offer that. Again, not asking for a full free session, just asking for that sort of touch point. Do you, you offer a 10 to 15 minute get a q call so I can ask some questions about the process. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Tip number four, uh, cheaper isn't always better or best. Um, A lot of therapists and coaches do not take insurance. And I know that can be kind of defeating. Totally understandable. There are plenty of of good therapists, I think, that do take insurance or that offer um, sliding scale options and things like that. Um, And if you get a referral for somebody who charges a bit more, don't be afraid to at least try a session. In my experience, you can get a lot more done with someone who really knows what they're doing and works with different modalities that are really effective to just see change and see it quickly. Um, That doesn't happen with all therapists. It doesn't happen with all traditional talk therapists. Again, if you're starting on your journey, talk therapy is great for being able to tell your story and start to bring awareness to your patterns. It's been my experience. If you really want to get a jump on changing those patterns after you have awareness with them. Um, You're going to want to find somebody who specializes in different modalities to allow those changes to happen. For me personally, that is through the use of Psyche K, which is a subconscious change modality. Um, I find that to be incredibly effective at helping my clients um, create immediate, long-lasting change in their lives. So, cheaper again is not always better, but you're going to want, I would say, a referral um, if you're going to really invest in somebody and invest in yourself that way, make sure that you know someone at least who has, has used them before um, and, you, and you really have a good feel for what they're offering. My fifth tip when finding a or looking to choose a life coach or therapist would be checking their credentials, which seems obvious, but... There are so many life coaching programs now um, that it's really difficult to tell how much experience somebody has. So for me personally, I prefer um, working with someone who has a, either a, a graduate degree of some sort and or a lot of experience um, that I have either a personal relationship with or I know people who have um, used their services before and it comes highly recommended. So if you're going to use somebody who doesn't have higher education degrees, I would strongly strongly recommend that um they have a lot of experience in their field and um they come highly recommended. Um otherwise I I would probably stray away from using someone who doesn't have again that experience or that higher education degree. Ideally they have both. Um ideally you have somebody who has higher education degrees, who has graduate degrees. Um This is really important because it helps them know their scope. Um, A lot of what we learned in graduate school and working with people was understanding, um, one, where our own blind spots are. We have to recognize and own our own blind spots. We did a lot of that kind of work. And two, um, you need to be able to know your scope. You need to know when you're outside of it. You need to know when to refer them out. Um, You need to know that not all areas of discomfort are yours for the fixing, so to speak. Um, a lot of life coaches don't learn that. Uh, so it's really important, um, to pick somebody who knows their scope, knows the scope of their work, knows what they're able to help, help you work on and help work with and knows when to refer you out. Um, and a lot of those lines are are not learned in coaching programs. In my experience, um, I have gone to a life coaching program and it was interesting. I don't feel like I gained, um, Enough knowledge in any way, shape, or form to be able to run a full coaching practice. So, the the foundation, um, the undergirding of the work I do really came from graduate school, and then through experience with other certifications like, psych K and um, nervous system care and those types of things. So, look for credentials. If they don't have any, maybe look for someone else. Um, and if they don't have, again, those higher education degrees, make sure they have a lot of good experience and they come highly recommended. My sixth tip for choosing a life coach or therapist would be to try to follow them on social media. So when you're working with somebody, traditional therapists are going to have a sort of a different set of like boundaries and ways of interacting with clients. Typically they're not going to pull from their own stories, their own life experiences in session. In fact, they're taught not to do that. Um, when you're in the coaching realm, these sort of borders really open up. It's not regulated the same way people are not taught the same way. And so you have that new sort of, um, addition of life experience and drawing from the coach's own stories and things like that. I I prefer that. I think it makes someone more relatable. I think it helps, um, get rid of the do as I say, not as I do sort of mentality, which is like, I'm going to tell you, um, kind of how to help yourself, but you know, you'll, you're never going to really know if I've ever had to use or apply any of these tools myself. So social media is kind of an interesting way to get to know your coach or therapist. Um, because I think that's important, uh, whether or not we're trying to put boundaries or borders on our own experience when working with a client, it's always relevant. It's always there even if it's just energetically, um, or unconsciously, those are things that we can't consciously control or account for. Um, so check them out if they have social media, give them a follow, Pay attention to how they talk. um, See if they would be someone that you would kind of want to be best friends with, so to speak. Um, Not that that would happen, um, although it could. uh, But I think that's a good way to sort of get to know someone's energy and how they present outside of session, which I think is important. Tip number seven for choosing a life coach or therapist is sort of pertinent for after you've already started seeing someone. So if someone requires, um, a lot of people do this, but if they require a minimum number of sessions, I'm inclined to not work with them. Um, I think part of one of the most important parts of effective coaching and therapy is empowerment and empowering the client, empowering the person. A part of that is you as the client always being in the driver's seat, So if you hear, you know, I have a four-session minimum, you have to work with me for at least this long, and that doesn't feel right to you, then say no. Um, I still, even after having worked for, I don't know, almost 13 years now, um, and have watched other people and other partners and other things... um, require a minimum number of sessions, I still offer single sessions. Um, It's important that you go into the session knowing that if it doesn't feel right to you after, you don't have to continue working with that person. Um, I am not a fan of a minimum number of sessions being a requirement. Uh, I would not personally work with someone who requires that. And my last tip for choosing a life coach or therapist sort of plays off of the Seventh tip, um, and that don't be afraid to take a break, pause, or fire, um, your coach or therapist if you need to. If you want to take a break and they're trying to push more sessions on you, if you feel like you got what you came for and that only took two sessions, listen to your intuition in that way. Um, sometimes we only need one session with someone to get what our spirit basically needed. I had a situation like that in college. I saw a coach twice. He was, um, very, very intense and I got what I needed after two sessions. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to continue, but I, I knew that I came for something specific and answer to something and I I had it within two sessions. I never saw him again. It served its purpose. So just like with other people in our lives, people are here for a reason, a season, a lifetime. Um, don't think that sessions have to look a certain way or that you have to go for years, um, listen to your intuition. And if you feel like you need to pause, step back, take a break, see someone else, um, do that. I hope you enjoyed my, what turns out to be eight, not nine tips on what to look for when choosing a life coach or therapist. If you have any other questions during your search process, feel free to reach out to me either via email or on Instagram at Coach. Underscore KDK. I'm Katie Kowalewski, and you've been listening to the SAS Podcast. If you enjoyed today's ride, please leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.